You are listening to sermons from the pulpit of the Bible Baptist Church in Marysville, California. We hope you will be blessed as you listen to another practical message. The more that I see that people get hurt. You know, there's a lot of hurt in life. And sometimes being able to embrace that hurt as a part of a bigger plan is hard to do. When we, when we look at this passage, and Paul is probably my favorite, he's my favorite New Testament character, of course, besides the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, but uh, uh, as I look at people, you look at Paul's life, and you see someone who not only did so much, you see someone who experienced so much. And the experiences that he did, that he had, gave him opportunities to be able to impact for the kingdom of God, to have an impact in other people's lives. And, and people, uh, many times, people get hurt. Sometimes people get hurt in church. Sometimes it's family. Sometimes it's um, job-related career. Sometimes it's health. There are a lot of different hurts that people experience in life. This last uh, week, I was uh, down in Orlando, Florida, uh, suffering for Jesus down there. Uh, no, we're, I was at a conference for the chaplains, uh, just for chaplains. And, and so as I was there, uh, Sunday morning came around, and church is still on Sunday morning when, uh, when you are out of town. And there, was, there wasn't uh, uh, anybody around, so I got a lift uh, driver to pick me up and take me to church on Sunday morning. And uh, when when I got in the car, uh, the guy's name was John, and uh, I, st I he asked, "Well, where are we going?" I said, "We're going to church." And so he got the address, and then very quickly he pointed out, "I'm an atheist." He knew that here I was going to church and he wanted to make sure that he just put that out there to start the conversation or to stop a conversation, one of the two. And, and as I uh, was talking with him, uh, you could just see the walls were coming down. And it wasn't long before we got to church. It was about a 25-minute ride. And, and as I, I, I kept talking to John, uh, he said, well, he says, you know, I'm not really atheist. And he went back and he started just relaying some hurts that he had in life. And it came down to the fact that he couldn't reconcile that if God was a loving God, that he would allow him to be hurt. You know what? That's a real question, isn't it? If God is in control, then why doesn't he stop it? Those are honest questions. And as I talked with John, I was talking to him about his faith and how he walked away from his faith, seeking to find something that would relieve the pain. And he made this statement to, to me. He said, I have never had peace since I walked away from God. I've never had peace. I said, don't you want that back? I said, I bet you would give anything to have that peace back. He said, I don't think I can get it back. And I told him, I said, God will give you that peace back. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh unto you. You know, that peace is available. You see, the Lord is there. Now in his plan, there are things that he, that we think he should stop. 
as I looked through the auditorium this morning, almost, I would say, 95% of the rows that are in here this morning, I know of a hurt of somebody that's on that row. We get to a place where those hurts come and we have to reconcile inside of our soul. Is God good? Amen. Academically, we have the answer. Let me ask you the question, is God good? Amen. God is good. Do we always feel that God is good? And as I was talking to John, he said, I don't think I could get it back. And I said, God is right there where you left him. And you turn back to him, he will be there for you. He said, I would be a hypocrite. I said, no. I said, being a hypocrite is when you are trying to put on a front of something that you are not. The word Pharisee in the Bible is literally putting on a mask. And sometimes people will get, get framed as being a hypocrite or a Pharisee, and it's not that they were intentionally trying to deceive somebody, they just didn't live up to the expectations. You know what? All of us are a Pharisee to some point. Because what we know we should do, what we want to do, we don't always hit the bar. We always fall short. And so that, that hypocrite or Pharisee uh, scenario is not real. It's not, a, it's not a valid argument. Because if I am going to let somebody else determine whether or not I can have peace and joy in my own life, that would be foolish to allow them to have that kind of power in your life. Somebody else not being what they should be should not determine what I am to be. And, and here, as I was talking to John, when I got out of the, out of the, the lift uh, and gave him a tip, and uh, we were, I was heading my way, uh, the conversation was on a completely different level than when it was when we started. But what I found was it was all based on an injury. So let's go to our text this morning. And so let's go back to Acts chapter number 28, verse number one. The Bible says, And when they were escaped, they knew that the island was called Melita, and the barbarous people showed us no little kindness. For they kindled a fire and received us, every one, because of the present rain and because of the cold. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, there came a viper out of the heat. And fastened on his hand, and when the barbarians saw the venomous beast hang on his hand, they said among themselves, No doubt this man is a murderer, whom, though he hath escaped the sea, yet vengeance suffereth not to live. And he shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. Howbeit they looked when he should have swollen or fallen down dead suddenly. But after they had looked a great while and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a God. Look with me again at verse number, number five there. Uh, the, the verse there, number five, uh, let's see, let me go back over here. And he shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. The apostle Paul was an individual who suffered many injuries. When you go back to chapter 9 and he got saved, shortly after that, the Lord goes to a man by the name of Ananias and tells him, uh, I want you to go to seek for a man named Saul of Tarsus. Uh, and, and when, when uh, uh, Ananias was going to speak to him, uh, he, he, before that, he had an argument with the Lord. Have you ever had one of those arguments uh, with the Lord? The Lord says, I want you to do this. Well, Lord, you know, there's reasons why I shouldn't go do that. Uh, you it's sort of like arguing with your wife. You can't win. 
even if you win, you lose. Uh, and so uh, here, just he was arguing with the Lord. I can't, I can't go. I, I've heard many things about uh, this man and uh, how people have been killed and he persecutes the church. And, and the Lord still told him to go. And he, he made a statement about Saul that I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Suffering is a part of God's plan. Suffering is a part of God's plan. Now, that's not a part of my plan. And that's not a part of your plan. But suffering is a part of God's plan. Are we okay with that? Because if suffering is not a part of God's plan, then if suffering comes into my life, then God's not in control. God's an out-of-control God. God is a weak God that cannot control circumstances. Is that who our God is? No, it's not. So then that tells me that, and as we look through Scripture over and over again, I'm just laying some groundwork here, we see that suffering is a part of God's plan. So then, my part is either to reject it or to embrace it. We've got a lot of military people. If you were in the armed services, raise your hand. Since you've been in the military or were in the military, I am sure everything that your officers told you to do, you loved. Brother Andy, what do you think? Not, not so much. Every mission that you had, every responsibility, every duty, every call wasn't always good. It wasn't always enjoyable. You know, the Christian life, either we're going to trust him or we're just going to say we trust him. We okay this morning? Silence tells a whole lot about where we are. And the reality is, as we look at this, we find Saul, uh, the Apostle Paul at this point, he finds himself uh, beaten, We've, he finds himself imprisoned, we, he finds himself uh, being accused, jailed, tried over and over and over again, and they were not just it was not justice. It was not that he had done anything wrong. Yet over and over again, he finds himself in a position where bad things are happening to him. But you don't find Paul giving up. You don't find Paul walking away. You don't find Paul looking at God and saying, God, you told me to preach here, uh, and, and now look what's happened. This is all your fault. No, he doesn't do that. He recognizes that God's sovereignty is real, and it includes suffering. Paul, as just gets off of this shipwreck, goes out, the barbarians were there, this barbarous people. They make a fire. Paul goes, grabs some sticks, and goes to help other people stay warm as well. Goes to put the sticks on the fire, and a venomous snake comes out of the heat and bites him, hangs on his hand. Have you ever been bit by a snake? 
I have been bit by snakes many times, but they were gardener snakes, and sometimes it hurt, sometimes it was nothing, it was just sandpaper, it was, you didn't really feel it, uh, but it's always scary, you know. Uh, I remember we had a pond in our front yard, my mom and brother are probably watching this morning, uh, and uh, we was in the summertime, and uh, we were out working in the front yard, Pops, and my brother and myself, we were putting in some fences, and this pond, we always had snakes. And they were everywhere, bullfrogs and uh, snakes, they all go together. And so here we, we were working, and I was the younger brother, and I heard a sound. Uh, there is a specific sound that a, a frog makes when it's being swallowed by a frog. Uh, a, 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 a frog is being swallowed by a snake. Anybody know what I'm talking about? There is, there is a piercing sound. It's a different type of a squeal. Uh, and I knew exactly what it was. And I went and found that snake. And uh, we were just in shorts and uh, no shirts. We're working in the front yard. And I caught this snake. It was just a gardener snake, but it was about this long. Uh, maybe it was this long. I'm not sure. No, it was about this long, uh, a little over two foot long. And I grabbed that snake. Now, my dad and my brother hated snakes. I'm not talking they just disliked them a little bit. They hated snakes. And I caught that snake. And my brother was bent over working. Just, just sort of sensed the deviousness that was going on in my mind. And I got this snake, and I go up behind my brother, and I throw this snake across the back of his neck. You know what a snake does instantly when, when uh, it go, hits something? It coils. <laughs> oh, my goodness. He grabs that snake, and he's screaming, and he's trying to get it off, but he's got the head and the tail at the same time. <laughs> uh, I am rolling. I am busting up. I'm just rolling, laughing. They get the snake off, and my brother went from scared to mad just instantaneously. And I didn't throw it on Pops, but Pops got mad too because he could envision that happening to, to uh, him. And so they chased me down. I got pummeled. I mean, uh, I was black and blue. They, they had let me have it. Then they threw me out in the middle of that pond. I was all slimy coming out. And you know what? Looking back over that situation, I would do it all over again uh, in a heartbeat. Uh, but here, Paul, he reaches in, he gets bit by that snake. But we find something about it. His response was, he shook it off. This morning, I want to speak to you on the subject, shake it off. Shake it off. You're going to get bit. You're going to get hurt. You're going to get offended. Shake it off. Father, I pray that you'd help us this morning. Use this message to be an encouragement to your people. Help us all collectively. We're all going to be hurt. We are going to face things in life that uh, we would not want to endure or go through. But I pray that uh, you would help us to sense your sovereignty. Help us to sense uh, that you do have a plan and that we can, uh, we can endure the hurt. We can go through that process and we can see your working in our lives. And so I pray that you'd bless for Christ's sake. Amen. Paul here, he, he, was, he was on this ship, he was being taken, and he lands on this, this island called Melita. The ship is all broke up. Uh, they come to the water, uh, and it was all by uh, boards, pieces of the boards, the ship, after this great uh, hurricane that came through and destroyed the ship. And so now the, the fear, can you imagine? Uh, here he was, he was in one turmoil uh, being beaten. He was in other turmoils being imprisoned. Then he uh, is in another turmoil and he finds himself uh, being taken as a prisoner uh, by the Roman guards back to Rome uh, to be tried by Caesar. And, and it was just one thing after another. It was injury, 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 injury. Finds himself in the middle of a hurricane in a wooden ship. 
in the Mediterranean Sea. And then all of a sudden, he finds himself shipwrecked, coming up onto this island of Melita. It's the island that we call Malta. So you have Sicily that's here, and then you have, uh, you have Libya down here on the uh, southern part, the, uh, the uh, on the, the, Africa, the continent of Africa's north coast there, and uh, Mediterranean Sea comes through. And so, uh, so just below uh, Sicily there is Malta, and that's where uh, he finds himself uh, shipwrecked. And, uh, and as he was there, uh, we find that uh, there were a group of people that were responsible or a part of this situation. You know, the the injuries that we face in life, there's always a face tied to it, isn't there? There's always a face. When we think about Paul in this situation, it could have been the Pharisees that were back in Jerusalem that he was blaming the religious crowd. It, it could have been the uh, Felix or uh, it could have been uh, uh, Festus. Uh, it could have been Agrippa that uh, he went before, gave testimony before, but now he appeals to Caesar. So then it could have been Caesar's fault. Uh, but before he ever was going to see Caesar, there were going to be some Roman soldiers that were going to be uh, attached to him uh, and he was going to be their prisoner. And so now there's Roman soldiers that are all a part of this circumstance and this situation. Uh, then he's going to get on a ship and so now there's, uh, there's a, a ship owner that's a part of this whole event and the merchantmen that have uh, purchase supplies that were supposed to be going to uh, Sicily or uh, to Rome. Uh, there were others that were uh, selling uh, their goods and they were sending goods. There were not just the ship uh, owner and the merchantmen, but then there were the sailors that were there. And so this picture just keeps getting bigger and bigger and the amount of people that were tied in this situation uh, sometimes we want to make it out as though our problem is just our problem. Or it's just one person's problem. And that's not a reality. Then when they get shipwrecked and they're on the island of Malta or Melita, uh, they are there and now there is a barbarous people. Barbarous people. Later, they're called barbarians. Now, when you think about barbarians, what do you think? You think headhunters, you think, uh, you know, some uh, savage individual that's going to try to eat me for lunch. Uh, and that was not the situation. Uh, they, these individuals that were titled barbarous, uh, they were uh, very kind. They showed them no little kindness. Uh, they received them in 276 people. How would you like that, mama? Uh, somebody bringing home 276 people to feed. Uh, and so 276 individuals that were on that uh, ship together, uh, now they all experienced the same thing. They went, they had the same needs. They were destitute. But these barbarians, uh, the people of Malta there, were there and they showed them no little kindness. They were very gracious. Uh, they, they started a fire because they were cold. And there's a whole lot of opportunities opportunities that we see that were shown. Now, the, the word barbarous there in the Greek is a word that means stutter or stammer. It means to, to say over again. And the word barbarian literally means a foreigner. Have you ever gone to another country and no matter what they said, it all sounded the same? The ability to differentiate the sounds when you have no intelligible understanding of the language, it's just noise. And that is what it's talking about here. It's not talking about that they were, they were, uh, they were vicious individuals. They were somebody that was different from them. 
And here we, we see this, uh, this hurt and all that's going on uh, that in the apostle's life. And so uh, here, uh, uh, in verse number five, Paul is bit. And, and we just want to follow and emulate what he did. Just shake it off. Uh, shake it off. Uh, sometimes no matter what you, you do, it seems like you keep getting bit. You try to do something good over on this hand and you get bit. So you go over on this hand and you try to do something else good and you get bit. So what is the option then? Do nothing or don't do good. Now, let me ask you a question. Is that an option? Is it a good option? No. It's not a good option. Because there are people that will disengage because of the injury only to be injured continuously because of their disengagement. And let me, let me just say this this morning. If you disengage because of an injury, it's nobody's fault but yours. Let me say that again because there wasn't, there wasn't much of a buy-in on that. If you disengage because of somebody else, it's nobody's fault but yours. Think about it in your own life. We've all been hurt. We have all backed off. But in that, who has hurt the worse? We are. We are the one that is then injured, and then that injury continues because we keep reliving that same injury. And this morning, I just want to tell you, shake it off. You're going to do good, and the serpent is going to bite you, and you're going to find yourself in that situation. I was probably about nine or ten years old, and uh, uh, mom and pops got married when I was eight, and so uh, we ended up going camping, and pops' idea of going camping was not at a campsite. Uh, it wasn't with an RV park. It was you take a road to a log road to another offshoot of a log road, uh, to uh, another patch, to, to a stream, and uh, find a clear spot, and that's where you would camp. And that's, uh, that was uh, how we camped. Uh, one time we went camping with my aunt and uncle, and uh, we got to this area. My uncle was the one that picked the campsite location, and he told us the name of it was called Rattlesnake Flats. Now, my dad said, like I already told you, my dad did not like snakes. And he's like, rattlesnake flats? No, I don't want to go there. And my uncle said, oh, no. He says, they just call it that. There's no rattlesnakes there. They just call it that. Have you ever believed one of those guys before? And so uh, anyway, we went, we got to the campsite. And anyway, I don't remember what time it was, but it was, uh, it was time to fish. And we hadn't even really unpacked yet. And so Pops and my uncle and myself, we grabbed our poles uh, and uh, we took off down this trail. And mom and my aunt were starting to set some camp up. I can't remember if my brother was there or not. And we took off down this trail to get down to the creek. And we weren't 20 steps down the creek and a rattlesnake crossed the path and, and just stayed right there on the edge of the path. So we got some sticks and some stones and we killed the rattlesnake, cut the tail off. I've got it at home. Uh, and, you know, it was, it was great. Then we uh, went just a little bit far, picked our poles back up, went a little bit farther, and there was a big rattlesnake coiled up at this tree right on the edge of the trail. And so we set our poles down, grabbed some sticks, grabbed some stones, killed this rattlesnake, uh, and uh, then cut the tail off off and picked our poles back up, started to go down the trail again, and a third rattlesnake crossed the path, and Pop says, I'm out. <laughs> he 
He said, we're done. We didn't even get to the stream yet. Uh, and we saw three rattlesnakes killed two. And so he said, we're out of here. And you know, in life, if we could just avoid the snakes, if we could just avoid the potential injuries, that would be great. But the reality is, if we are living in a sin-cursed world, we are going to get bit. We are going to find ourselves with injury uh, in our lives. And so uh, verse number five, and he shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. And felt no harm. You know, the hurt oftentimes is because we are too sensitive Psalm 119, 165, great peace have they that, great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them. Nothing shall offend them. You know, there's a lot of injuries that I have faced. Looking back, it's like, why did I get so hurt over that? Have you ever got a splinter and it didn't hurt? But then the more you thought about it, the more it hurt. And then you start telling the story and it just keeps on growing. Pretty soon it was, you know, the sliver was about this long and it was about that thick. And, you know, it just, it just grows. That's how injuries are in our life. Sometimes we allow, we allow ourselves to be injured because we make a decision. Now, here it says that he shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. Felt no harm. Now, when you start looking into that, it didn't say that it didn't hurt. It's sort of like when you play basketball and you roll your ankle. And then you get up and you shake it off a little bit and you get back out. I'll be all right. I can keep playing. It wasn't that it didn't hurt, but it wasn't injurious to where it was incapacitating. So I want you to see several things this morning. Uh, number one, God is in the details. God is in the details. God knows every circumstance that you will ever face. Amen. God knows every circumstance. God is not surprised about that coworker that you can't stand. God is not surprised about uh, the, the, uh, a rumor maybe that somebody started. God is not surprised about maybe some injuries that have happened in your life. Maybe it was health. Maybe it was financial. There are all kinds of, uh, of issues and circumstances that we face, and we will face many of them multiple times in our life. God's in the details. God knew that was going to take place. Now, it didn't say that God wanted you to hurt you, but God understands what is going to take place. He is outside this realm, this spectrum called time. Uh, God, uh, he is, he is uh, in eternity. It is not, he is not bound by time uh, whatsoever. God still is before the world began. God still is before uh, when the earth is no more. God, in, the Bible says in Isaiah, he inhabits eternity. God is present tense in every spectrum along this line called time. And, and with that, uh, God is in the details. He knows uh, what is going on. There's nothing that comes into our life, good or bad. We are very, very, uh, it's very easy for us to embrace the good that God brings into our life. Oh, God was so good to me, this happened. 
And we want to be the recipients of his grace. We want to be the recipients of his mercy. We want to be the recipients of his forgiveness. Uh, We want to be the recipients of all the blessings that he has for us. Uh, But here, God is in, he is in the the details. And, And child of God, this morning, let me tell you, we have got to trust him. Not understand him. All right. I've been married to this lady for 34 years. If you were to ask me if I understand her, and I'll just leave it right there. You know, if I cannot understand another person, how am I going to understand an infinite God? You know what? God doesn't owe us anything. Do you believe that? So anything that that I get to enjoy, the blessings that God gives to me, they are undeserved. And God in his grace and God in his goodness, uh, he shows us, he exhibits his love uh, for us. But God is in the details and uh, God whose nature is love and righteousness, he is good, he is just. And let me tell you this morning, he loves you. He loves you. That's important for us to grab a hold of because we are gonna get bit. So we need to know God, number one, is in the details. Number two, we have to understand who the enemy is. Know who the enemy is. Now, go back to our text. Go back to our text. Acts chapter number five here, 28 and verse number five. Acts 28, five. It says, and he shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm, and felt no harm. This viper, this serpent, we have an enemy, and it's a serpent. The serpent is our enemy. Paul could have looked and uh, looked around and, and said, you know, that it was the, the people of uh, Melita. It was their fault that uh, they didn't pick up the sticks or it was their fault that, uh, that uh, they didn't warn him about the potential injury of the snakes. He could have started placing blame other place, other, other locations. You know what? When you get bit, we need to realize who our enemy is. Ephesians 6, 12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And you and I, we've got to realize that that enemy is not that person whose face comes to your view, the forefront of your mind. They are not the enemy. It's a spiritual battle. And if it's a spiritual battle, then you and I have the ability to have victory. You and I have the ability to have victory. You and I, I can be here all day. You and I have the ability to have victory. And and we can have it, but it's a choice. We can't choose whether or not we're going to get bit, but we can choose how we're going to respond to being bit. And here the apostle Paul, he was injured, he was hurt, uh, and he shook it off. And, and we see that over and over and over again. The enemy is the serpent. Uh, it was the serpent who was the enemy. The enemy wasn't the Pharisees in Paul's life, uh, the religious crowd or that had imprisoned him. It wasn't the Roman rulers and Festus and uh, Agrippa and Felix. It wasn't the soldiers. It wasn't the barbarians. Uh, It was the viper. And there is a viper who is your enemy. He is not only called a serpent, uh, a viper. He is also called a roaring lion who walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And you and I, we have an enemy. Satan is our enemy. 
And if we start, if we keep our focus uh, horizontally on who the enemy is, we're going to have a whole lot of them. But we've got to realize we do have an enemy. And that enemy is not a person that has flesh and blood like you and I. The enemy is Satan. And he is the one that is going to do everything that he can to not just destroy you. It goes back to beyond that, which is devour. The word devour is to remove all known traces of existence. There are people who have been in our lives that have had great impact. Maybe it was a pastor. Maybe it was someone that, that had a lot of influence. And then they got sidetracked. Maybe they blew their own personal life up. Ministry would be a moral failure, just destroy a life. And I, and I know people that that has happened to. You know what the reality is? They're, all of the good that was done is now erased. If their name is mentioned, it's not anything good that comes out. And it's not, not just what the media will do, it is also in the hearts of the people that were hurt because of that failure. You know, the devil wants to devour. He wants to remove every essence of what you have done for the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what he's going to do? That serpent's going to bite you. That serpent is going to attack you. That serpent is going to injure you. But how you respond will determine whether he has success or not. Now, I'll close my Bible just to give you a little bit of an idea that I'm done, I'm not. Your future and my future is greatly dependent on how we deal with injury. Sometimes that injury is completely personal. We have, we have a, we fall short. That injury is something that we did to ourselves. How are we going to respond? We can quit, but who gets victory? Somebody else injures us. We can quit. Who gets victory? Are, are we getting this? Because we can't stop the bite. We're going to get bit. Sometimes it's intentional. Sometimes it's completely unintentional. I would say majority of the injuries that happen are unintentional. But how they were received was as a personal attack. You know, how arrogant are we to think that somebody stays up at night thinking about us at all <laughs> and then devising a plan on how they could hurt us? You know, it's pretty arrogant because there isn't anybody staying up to think about you or I, either one. Their life is full just trying to survive. Their life is full just trying to, to live the life that God has given them, taking care of the responsibilities that they have. But how we respond to those injuries is vital because we can make everything personal. 
Do you, do you know those people that have that chip on their shoulder? And they are just ready to blow up at any moment. You bump into them, you're in trouble. You step around them, you're in trouble. You talk to them, you're in trouble. You don't talk to them, you're in trouble. There are people that are like that, and we all know them. The reality is, that person has been hurt, and in that hurt, they've not learned how to shake it off. And we can be in that same spot. So this morning, just envision that it's a rattlesnake. Shake it off. Just envision that you get bit by a snake and, you know what? I'm just gonna shake it off and go on. You know what happens? The people that were there went from saying, Paul, he must be a murderer. He was guilty. You know what? Everybody's there to point out somebody else's guilt, aren't they? They're guilty. And they watched, and they watched how he responded, and it went from you're guilty to you're a God. Now, Paul was not God, but you know what it did? His response to the injury gave him opportunity to represent Christ to those people. Paul said that all things have fallen out unto me, have fallen out to the furtherance of the gospel. All of the injuries, all of the attacks, all of the, uh, the, the things that he had hurt, been hurt and the suffering, all of it came and he shook it off because it wasn't personal. He shook it off because he knew that God was in the details and God in his sovereignty had a plan and God somehow was gonna use this to allow me to have an opportunity to tell somebody else about Jesus. I was talking to Miss Sarah this morning. Logan, 17 years old, cancer, in the hospital. There isn't a cure. The doctors told them we've got to try the harshest doses of everything or let him die. Sarah has been sharing the goodness of God to those nurses. Her and Logan both have been a testimony of God's grace. We don't know how it's going to work out. But you know what they've done? They've realized that there was a purpose in Logan being in the hospital. There's a purpose. And that purpose is a lot bigger than you or me. And God's using them. Now I'm praying for healing. And I want you to pray for the same. But those injuries, they are real. Those hurts are real but the response is vital. How are we going to respond when we're bit? Man, that preacher, he didn't shake my hand when I walked out the door. Well, I was standing outside those doors and you walked out that door to walk around the building so you missed me. <laughs> but it happens and I hear it over and over and over again. Injuries, some of the injuries that we face are injuries that we, we bring on ourselves. And sometimes those injuries, they come out of the fire. They come out of nowhere. They come out of us trying to do something good and we get bit. But how are we going to respond to it? Shake it off. God is in the details. Know who the enemy is. 
And the enemy is the serpent. He is the one that is trying to destroy and devour your life. Don't give him the victory. Don't give him the victory. It's up to you. It is. It's up to you. How are we going to respond? Father, I pray that you'd help us. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the examples that are here. And I pray that you'd help us today as uh, we look into our own life and the problems and issues. And all of us face very real issues and struggles, different circumstances in our life where uh, we are hurt. And I pray that you would help us uh, to realize who the enemy is. Help us to trust you. And then, Lord, I pray that uh, you would help us to respond properly to those injuries so you could use us uh, to be able to accomplish something good uh, that will come out of those hurts. And so help each person that's here this morning. Heads bowed, eyes closed. You're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I am a child of God. I have accepted Christ as my personal Savior. Uh, as a testimony to the Lord, uh, just slip your hand up. I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. I've accepted Christ. I have a personal relationship with him. Uh, slip your hand up. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. You can put them down. Maybe you're here this morning and say, Pastor, I don't have that assurance. I don't know if I died today that I'd go to heaven. I don't have that confidence, that, that, uh, uh, that ability to say, I, I know Christ is my Savior. I'm concerned about it. I wish I had that confidence. Pastor, pray for me. I won't come back to you. I won't embarrass you, but I'd like to pray for you. Who, who's here this morning? Say, Pastor, I'm unsure of my eternal destiny. Uh, pray for me this morning. Just slip your hand up. Let me pray for you. Let me pray for you. Okay, I see your hand. I see your hand. Who else? I'm, I'm unsure of that eternal destiny. My eternal destiny. Pastor, pray for me. All right, you can put your hand down. All right, in just a moment, we're going to have an invitation. If you raised your hand, I want you to come. We'll have someone that'll open up the word of God and, and share with you what God has to say about you going to heaven. Maybe, child of God, you are, you've been bit. You're hurt. Maybe you just need to find a spot at the altar and talk to the Lord about it. Realize that God's in the details. He knows what you're going through and he'll help you through it. Father, you know the needs of each person here. You see the hands of those that were raised and I pray that you just speak to hearts. Help us today, please. For Christ's sake, we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. The altar's open. If you raised your hand, let me encourage you to come. Uh, you've been bit. Let me encourage you to come. Find a spot at the altar. Talk to the Lord about it. He wants you to have victory. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed our service. If you would like to hear more, visit our website at bbc4me.org. That's bbc4me.org. May God bless you.